Hello, this is your host, Sunita Bagri. I am the founder of the Every Teacher Matters Project. Welcome to the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. Each podcast has a core focus around the well-being of our teachers, school leaders and educational staff. The Teach Well Alliance works proudly in partnership with the Every Teacher Matters Network to raise awareness of well-being and mental health for our teachers and school staff. We're so pleased that you're able to join us on today's podcast. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. Well, one of the things that um, myself and all associates on the Every Teacher Matters Network are absolutely flabbergasted and shocked by is the continued teacher bashing that goes on. There is so much negativity towards our profession and one that we're actually very protective of. There are a number of um, associates, including myself, that have chosen a slightly different career path at this stage, but that doesn't mean we don't love teaching. We love teaching, we're passionate about it, and you could put us back in the classroom any day of the week and we would be there to support um, our pupils, our young people that are coming through, and our colleagues. So it's sad that so many people wonder what teachers are doing. I want to share with you just some of the statistics around the mental health, well, the ill mental health around our colleagues and the very sad stigma that's attached to this. Well, did you know that one in five teachers experience panic attacks? Did you know that primary school teachers are at a very high risk, including school leaders, of suicide? It's actually 42% higher than the general population. And over 75% of teachers in the UK report symptoms of stress, which include depression and anxiety. And yet, so many do not say anything and they work, turn up to work on a daily basis, um, actually just not even paying any attention to their own mental health. 47% have claimed that their personal relationships suffered as a result of their job, which is why so many, so many teachers decide to leave the profession. Um, actually, it's 80% of classroom teachers that have considered leaving for a number of reasons, but mainly because of workload. Well, we could talk about this all day. I could probably sit here and reel out a number of statistics around ill mental health of teachers. But today, I want to introduce the listeners to my wonderful associate, Christina Tribula, who is known as Chrissy. So I'm going to refer to her as Chrissy. So I'd like to welcome Chrissy to today's podcast. She is an associate of the Every Teacher Matters Network. So a very warm welcome to you, Chrissy. Oh, thank you for that wonderful introduction. It's so good to be part of this huge team that's doing so many positive things to promote teachers' well-beings. I'm so proud to be a part of that. I just love it. Absolutely, Chrissy, and we are equally as proud and honoured to have you on our team. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about um, mental health is because, the, as you've just mentioned, the Every Teacher Matters Network is here to promote, advocate, support the well-being of teachers. And the reason that I've asked you to join us today is because 
we as a team are very aware of the current issues. I mean, we all stand for teacher well-being despite the pandemic and we're, you know, readily available to support our colleagues in spite of that. But right now we know that this is such a big issue and everyone we're speaking to doesn't seem to understand what they could do you know what can they do I mean I, I coach head teachers and part of education support um, the, the service in terms of supporting the well-being and providing the platform for head teachers right now to be able to speak and and they don't know how to look after their well-being they don't know where to kind of go um, and one of the biggest and the most common themes that I keep hearing about is how they then support the well-being of their teachers and their staff team. So we're going to talk and I'm going to invite you today to talk about some of those things that we can be doing. But before that, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? You know, what, who are you? What, where did you start and how are you related to the teaching profession? Um, well, I, I had quite a long career in teaching. I'm retired now, but I had quite a long career in teaching that started basically when I left college at 21. So we're going back a time now. And I started in secondary school and um, I used my strengths of what I'd learned really at college. So it was a little bit of music that I offered plus different subjects and going on very, very quickly from there, um, I changed and went down into the primary sector that I addressed for quite a long time. And eventually um, I met up with my most formative part of my career, which was in early years. And I did that for the best part of 20 years before retiring from it. So um, I've had quite a long journey with all sorts of different bends and twists and everything else. And sometimes it's taken its toll on me as any profession such as ours does, because it is such a, a huge caring pot and we're forever giving of ourselves, which is what people forget. You know, we are that, we are the givers. So um, I'd done that for quite some time. And um, as I said, recently retired from there, but um, I missed all my colleagues. I, I missed working in the industry itself. And uh, I missed that part where we could share sometimes elements that were painful to us, you know, working in teams or whatever or even being able to support colleagues along a huge, huge, huge potential in, in, in what they're doing on a daily basis. So for that reason, uh, I've, I've become qualified as a coach, a life coach, and I want to feed back into the industry. My niche is in teaching. So I want to help support the teachers in whichever way I can, mainly with well-being but also with choices within it, within the career structure. That's great. And such a big need and demand for this right now. Wouldn't you agree, Chrissy? Oh, I certainly would. I think people are really have been thrown off track when you just look at uh, some of the cases that I've seen. I tend to go back to LinkedIn now and just connect with people. And I can see that there is such a huge number open for work these days. And when you read of the skills, the abilities, and the potential they have within them, it's absolutely tremendous. And this is such an awful waste in terms of expertise that's going nowhere. If we can harness all that again, how strong would we be 
as a, a network of teachers, educators. Yeah, completely agree. Chrissy, can I ask you, why do you think teachers need coaching? Um, sometimes along the way, uh, we get waylaid in terms of how, how education suits us best. And I noticed along my own career path, uh, there were certain times that I was ready to take on a leadership role. And um, there were certain times when I needed more mentoring in that role. Um, sometimes it was forthcoming and sometimes I had to look for it. Um, and also knowing when to stop doing something before you get to a point where you actually break down. And I think it's so important to know why you want to be in teaching and why you want to teach the age range that you're with. Yeah. I think um, that is a crucial factor actually. And it was one that decided whether I wanted to stay in teaching or whether to leave it. Yeah, that why is just so important. Staying connected to your why. I think all of the teachers that I speak, speak to and leaders that I speak to, there's never a hesitation around why they entered the profession, but you're absolutely right. Along your journey and that, you know, that career journey and all of those experiences, what happens is we get waylaid, that's the perfect term. And we need to be reminded of why we're doing what we're doing, because with that comes the motivation and the determination and the resilience. Absolutely. And, and coaching is that space, isn't it? That is absolutely the space. It's exactly that. It gives you a sense of being realigned, reconnected with why you're doing certain things. Um, just a, a little bit of sort of anecdotal evidence about myself. Um, in my sort of mid forties, I adopted to be in um, a school setting and running a nursery. And um, I love the fact that I could work with very, very young children. It became in, a, in effect my calling. I just loved it, the excitement and everything else. It, it resonated with me tremendously. But was, what I wasn't aware of at the time were some of the leadership demands that were also present there that I hadn't, uh, I suppose, um, added to the equation of going along that route. And having done it for five years or so, um, I maintained a certain level of being in that position. But then there were elements in my personal life that took over as well. My parents weren't as well as I wanted them to be, et cetera, et cetera. I still had young children at home. There were the demands of a personal life. And eventually I had to say enough is enough. Otherwise, I'd have gone down a downward spiral that would have cost me my health and my general well-being. So I made a positive choice at that time. I said, what is it that's crucially important to me about being here right now in this situation? And the one answer that I got were the young ones, the little ones. I really loved working with them. And everything else that surrounded that, I thought, Possibly if I'm in a different setting that allows me a bit more freedom, I can still do that. I can still access this deep ambition that I've got, but cut the costs of other things that were coming across. So eventually what I did was I got a part-time job in a nursery 
And that uh, afforded me the time that I needed with my outside life, with my private life, and also to reconnect with this deep ambition that I'd got. And that bore fruits on its own. So, you know, in the end, it was a win-win situation. Yeah, brilliant. I, I, that is exactly the term that came into my head, win-win. And in coaching, that's exactly what I, you know, work with when I'm working with them. Um, teachers. It's like, right, okay, how can we create a win-win situation for you? And that's a perfect example. And it's about, you know, we do well, don't we? We thrive and we don't want to survive. That's the thing. As teachers, yeah. so many are just surviving. And through coaching, we have learned to thrive. And we want to share that with, with our fellow colleagues now. What a lovely example, Chrissy. Thank you. Yeah, well, that's what it was all about, I think. I think we do find ourselves at various crossroads when we go along our career journeys and uh, being aware of what we can put in place to make ourselves fulfilled and um, regain that enjoyment, that energy that's necessary for the next, you know, for the next few stepping stones is crucial, I think. Absolutely. Energy is just another perfect word, isn't it? And, yeah. and that's how coaches feel afterwards. They feel energized. Absolutely. I, I, um, I know as a fellow coach, you'll agree with me because we, we, when we were working with children, we got that instant gratification knowing that we've made a difference to them. And it's actually just the same when you coach, isn't it? It's, um, and actually the impact is bigger and greater because we know that they're going to go into the classroom and have that impact as a result of the session and feeling good about themselves again. Um, one thing that I particularly enjoy about coaching that I found as well when I was sort of mentoring colleagues so they could achieve was the fact that you've got per personal aha moments, realizations, and it's those actually that then again provide the motivation that provide that excitement about going forward, taking steps. Once you start to become realigned with your purpose, you really do go off very very quickly at a good angle and you manage to produce the results that you want for yourself and people around you too but it begins with you know yourself first first and foremost yes certainly does certainly does it reminds me of a conversation i had with some head teachers yesterday uh, reminding them to to you know look after themselves first absolutely thank you that was um you know, I love having these conversations. This is such a privilege to be able to speak with wonderful professionals like yourself. It's so heartwarming. And, um, you know, it, it's lovely that we're, we're aligned and giving back to the profession. I know that's so important to us. So thanks so much for sharing that wonderful, wonderful advice and experience of coaching. So tell us, I'm going to take you back now, tell us the listeners uh, about your joyful experiences. I mean, I, I, I'm recording this for the benefit of the listeners. I'm recording this, but I can see Chrissy. So I can see the twinkle in her eyes. I can see her lighting up when she was talking about um, when she had the calling around working in a nursery and working with younger children. I could see her light up. So I'd really like you to take us through that. You know, what were your best moments? What did you love about teaching? 
Um, I love the fact that there was excitement in every single day, you know, and it's the age range that provided that for me. I didn't get the same sort of sense, maybe higher up in primary, uh, not at all in secondary, it wasn't my thing. But it's like everything, you need to learn about what your personal needs are in a given situation. So I felt I was at my best, you know, in that, in that type of setting. And it was the excitement of working with them, seeing where they were beginning, watching them develop and being able to be a part of that uh, learning process. I just found it exceptionally exciting. Plus as well, talking to parents and reassuring them that a lot of the time they were absolutely fantastic. They were doing a really, really good job, but they just need to do to have that little input every now and then. Um, being able to record some of the things that the children did or making them shine within themselves when we had any sort of productions going, getting them to say and speak and be have, uh, have that first voice to to utter and share with others i just loved the process i really did um being with colleagues who were open-minded and very much open-hearted because i think it's very difficult to serve little ones without that open heart and attitude so i i just loved the environment i was working in it was bright it was cheerful it was colorful you know so that was my take on what i'd got out of it i just uh, liked addressing the fact that I knew I'd have new children in, new experiences, they'd, de they'd be developing me as much as I'd be developing them because I al always saw my uh, nursery world as a microcosm of life in general. It was absolutely superb, you know, and you always had the characters in it and the ones that, that, that seemed to be wise before the time. It was just such an incredibly enjoyable experience. Yeah, isn't it just um, all those different personalities and, and bringing out, having the, the privilege of bringing out the best in those little individuals is real real privilege, isn't it? Yeah, which is something that sustained me for, for as long as it did, you know, at that particular time in my profession. Mm -hmm. um, I think if I'd have found that element earlier, um, I'd have enjoyed my career path a lot more. Yes. But it's like everything, it takes a, you know, a, a kink in the road sometimes to throw you in the right direction. Absolutely, yeah. Everyone, everyone um, experiences a turning point at some time, don't they? And we, we don't know when. We don't know when yeah. that will be. Thank That's you. That's certainly it. That's certainly it. Yeah, but, but, you know, that was such an enjoyable time for me. And spending the time with the, the colleagues in it as well. It was just great. Really yeah. good. Wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. Really lovely to see you um, light up again talking about that. That's marvellous. So I'm going to take you down. I, I might not light you up now, Chrissy, but um, tell us what your biggest challenge was that you've had to overcome within your teaching career. I think one of the biggest challenges that I had was uh, sort of in my mid 40s, really, when I did take on a leadership role. And when new documents were coming through, um, I was working with a staff who were seasoned and they were excellent at what they did, but they weren't paper wise at the time. And it was a time when things were beginning to uh, come in and be evidenced on a, a, a bigger basis. So for me, that was a challenge, introducing the paperwork to people who perhaps were exceptionally good at what they were doing, but they were not particularly sort of willing to take on board this, this new thing. So um, it was a learning curve for me and them. And um, 
uh, along its uh, along its path uh, it 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 sort of filled me with a certain amount of anxiety am i doing this properly are they okay with it um are the are the children going to be all right is the greater good going to be okay and it became i suppose a, a pervading thought and uh, I'd say as well, the amount of Ofsteds that we seem to have at the time, they seem to be peppered. We seem to have, I seem to have one when I first entered that particular school, another couple of years down the line, there was another one. And it was just to some extent unnecessary pressure um, because it's not so much uh, how you teach, but how you, how you evidence that in one way or another. So, you know, at that particular time, displays had to be honky-dory and all the activities had to be 100%. And to my mind, life is not like that. You know, it, it provided a little bit, to my mind, of a, a false impression. Mm -hmm. And so you go down a downward spiral to some extent. You're up, you're up late getting everything prepared up early to access the school day. And that takes its toll on you in the end. Absolutely. You know, it's the it's the it's the smallest thing sometimes that can upend a really good performance, yeah. and it was the stress and anxiety of of wondering, well, will it all come together? Will we be okay? I'm responsible for this now. Uh, da 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 da. It was a lot of the self talk too. Yeah. So you know, surrounding all that, and I think once you get into a leadership position of any description. Uh, this is what I noticed about senior management. You work within a team, but coming into it yourself for the first time, um, unless you have a personal vision that is aligned with the school, it takes you a little bit of time to actually gather that momentum and find that energy to be just the right cog in the right place, spinning the right wheel. Perfect description, perfect description. And, and actually, you know, in the work that we do around highlighting burnout, you know, that conflict of values, which you, you've just alluded to, if you're, if you're misaligned to that of the organisation, it can be absolutely damning. But that was a perfect description, Chrissy. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for being so, so honest. I, I know factually that many teachers are struggling with so many of the things that you just shared there. And if there are any listeners that are, you know, this is resonating with, then please do, you know, we're going to share Chrissy's information at the end of this podcast. Um, but please feel free to contact us at the everyteachermattersproject.com. And we would be, you know, you know, really we're very passionate people around supporting and signposting you. So if there's anyone that's listening that this is resonating with, please do feel free to get in touch. There are many challenges um, for us as teachers more now than ever before. So on that note, Chrissy, I would like to ask you, I mean, you've shared, you know, very eloquently there, your experiences, the good and the bad there. Um, and, you know, as I'm going to say again, the, the Every Teacher Matters Network is about promoting teacher well-being and breaking that stigma around the mental health of teachers. So knowing what you know now, experiencing what you have done in the years that you were doing the job, what well-being advice would you give to our teachers of today? Uh, the first, um, first thing that I think is, is the best possible piece of advice I can give anybody is get enough sleep. But in order to do that, I know, I know how costly that can be at times. Uh, and I know what can prevent that happening. 
So um, I used to have a time coming back from school that was my cooking time. It was my debrief. Uh, while I was stirring pots or whatever, I didn't necessarily need to think about making a gourmet meal, but it just allowed me enough time to offload whatever was going on in my head. Uh, and it was easy to do, I suppose, while I had a, a house full of people because uh, there was a lot of coming and going, you know, with the children, etc. And that was absolutely brilliant. And it takes your mind off things. But once they'd left home and, uh, you know, they'd gone to uni or whatever, I found that there was a need to do something that was similar. And for me, when I got home, I started cooking and making things and I started to journal because that meant that anything that had been spinning around in my head all day, in my stomach, because that's the, the first place you feel it, it turns over and over and over again, and you can't stop it. I literally threw it down on paper. Yeah. And then as soon as it was down on paper, it was easier to deal with. Um, it might only have been a couple of bullet points, but it was sufficient to get it out the way. And then by the time the evening came, uh, I think it was a question of then setting a good routine for you to switch off sufficiently to be able to sleep. So I think that is crucial, having yeah. a routine in place that suits, yeah. that gets you to a place where you can sleep. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I still keep a journal now because I think sometimes we feel things throughout the day that don't manage to leave us. And I've noticed that if I get stressed, it can come into my chest or into my shoulders, into, um, into my stomach if it's really, really bad. And this anxiety can go on and prevent you doing anything. So I'd say, you know, some sort of light exercise as well, mm -hmm. because that releases mm -hmm. that. And, and before you know it, you can get back to yourself again. And always remind yourself of uh, a few good things that have happened that day. You know, um, I used to have like a small necklace that I'd, a visual one that I'd make on the way to school. And I did it for a reason because I wanted to start my day with my foot down with a positive attitude. So I used to travel to school in the car. So the first thing I'd do is if circumstances allowed and I'll say that I used to let people into traffic because I thought that's the first thing that I can do that's a little bit of kindness it's not costing me anything and it's getting rid of this pressure of of you know having to squeeze in so I think if you're desperate to get in get in there and they used to give me you know sort of a, a, a nice flash signal as a thank you and I used to have a, a necklace and I used to put a bead on it every time that happened I love that yeah, and sometimes I'd see that uh, there'd be a new shop open on the way and I think, wow, that's worth going back to. That used to make me feel, feel positive. I'd have another bead. I'd notice the change in seasons and I'd notice the colours of the leaves or whatever. That was always another couple of beads. So by the time I got to school, I could potentially have half a necklace full of kindnesses and good things to, to really feel good about by the time I'd got there. So I knew that by the time I'd got into school, I was already feeling a bit more buoyant. And the first thing I used to say is, good morning, how are you doing? Mm. And I felt better for having shared that, yeah. you know, and as soon as I got a reply back, brilliant, that was it. That was my day started.
I love that. I love those examples. Just as you're speaking, I'm drawing upon so many um, examples, but what's really clear to me there in what you've said about your beads um, and how you were collecting those, what a great example of how you're filling your cups. You know, we That's talk it. about this, don't we? We, talk, we say that. And so people don't always understand, um, oh, how do I fill my cups? I don't know. What do I, oh, what's this? And it sounds like, you know, a, a term that's being banded around. But Chrissy, what a wonderful example there of filling your cups with gratitude in that case. Yeah. And so, you know, by the time I'd got to school, I was ready to go. I'd get out and, you know, get my bags out or whatever and think, oh, it's going to be another good day. Look at all these beads I've gathered already. <laughs> And the difference between, you know, we can, I love, I mean, I, the, everything you said there I loved, but, you know, the example of um, giving people way when you were driving and allowing them to go. And that another mind, a very mindful approach. Yeah. And, and again, that's how we fill our cups. And that's the difference. You know, we can just flip that script from the negative into the positive just as easily as we can. But habit and this unconscious bias that we carry uh, around and again uh, coaching makes us realize that and raises our attention to to that self-awareness so thank you uh, anything else have, uh, have you got any other tips um uh, just to be aware of maybe a plan that you have for yourself and uh, allow it to be flexible um i think sometimes we we set ourselves very, very challenging goals. And we don't realize that uh, if it's too fixed in stone, it becomes very, very difficult to reach. And I'm thinking um, there are so many different roles in education these days. There are so many different ways that you can be uh, vital for the development of children. And it may not necessarily be as straight a path as you thought initially. So looking from side to side and perhaps seeing what is on either side of that road is worth exploring too. That's wonderful. Thank you. That's golden advice, I know, for our teachers who will um, take so much from that. Well, I, I, I know that you will have deepened a great and greater awareness and understanding around well-being from this conversation. So Chrissy, if someone that one of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, how would they be able to do that? Um, I don't have a website per se, but what I do have is an email address and um, you know, they can get in touch with me there. Uh, and I've also, I tend to use my phone. It's the simplest of lines at the moment. Great. What, can you just share your, um, your, your details, if that's all right? Yes, of course. It's just Chrissy, which is spelled C-H-R-I-S-S-Y at K-T, it's all lowercase, and then there's a dash in the middle, life coaching dot com. And I have a mobile number, which is 07-887-847-935. Perfect. Thank you so much, Chrissy. If the listeners would like to get in touch, then I would encourage you to do so. I think you will have gained 
just some snippets there of A, the experience that Chrissy has and B, the passion, the knowledge and the understanding of teaching and coaching to be able to help anybody that's currently feeling stuck or just desperate for some support. So thank you very much to the listeners. We hope that you have gained again um, more knowledge around well-being and mental health and if you need any further support as already mentioned please get in touch with myself danitabagley.com or visit our website the everyteachermattersproject.com thank you very much for listening thank you so much I do hope you enjoyed listening to today's Every Teacher Matters conversation. It is our mission to be the voice of our amazing school staff. You can find out more by visiting everyteachermattersproject.com or contacting me directly at contact at Thanks for listening.